0: 42 this morning, we'll look at uh, the first 24 verses, but in verse 56 of chapter 41, we read that there's a famine, there's a drought over all the face of the earth. And whenever the the Bible speaks of areas or different lands or countries, it usually speaks from a Jerusalem outward uh, type geographical thing. But this famine has spread from where Joseph is, and that is in Egypt. And it has spread to the surrounding areas. Most likely, this is a famine of the entire Middle East, but it could have been the entire earth. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But this famine, this drought is so severe that the great river Nile the water flow has been affected, and it has obviously went down to a trickle by the end of the seventh year. And we find Jacob, who is up in Canaan, he's reacting now to the grain shortages there. And they're shepherds; they have meat, but they don't have grain. And so, let's read the first eight verses of Genesis 42. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? (laughs) Do something, boys. But anyway. (laughs) And he said, Indeed, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph sent, Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob, did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. This famine, it has reached up to where Jacob is up in Canaan. And Jacob is still the patriarch of the family. He's still calling the shots. And we hear Jacob say to his sons, why do you look at one another? Good question. (laughs) What are you doing about the situation, my sons? Are you doing anything to feed your families? Uh, There's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy us grain that we may live. But Egypt is the last place that these brothers of Joseph, this is the last place that they want to go to. They understand, even though it's probably a slight possibility, that they could run into their brother that they sold into slavery down there in Egypt. It's not likely, but there is this chance. And so they have some, uh, you know, thoughts of not wanting to go down there. However, Father Jacob has sent them on a mission, go buy us food, go get us some grain. And they go down, but Joseph is now governor of Egypt. And he personally oversees all the selling of grain, and in particular, he oversees the selling of grain to any foreigners. And now we have Joseph's brothers coming down that are not from Egypt. And thus we have the plan of God bringing Joseph's brothers right to him. The brothers look the same as they did probably 13 years ago. They're still shepherds, and they look like shepherds. Uh, Joseph, however, he is Egyptian royalty now. And he has all the characteristics of the Egyptians, and he has the authority, of course, of Pharaoh. So he's wearing Egyptian clothing, and he's also clean-shaven, which uh, Joseph's brothers would not have been clean-shaven. And Joseph will speak to his brothers through an interpreter. And Joseph's brothers, uh, they don't recognize that this is uh, Joseph, whom they sold into slavery. But Joseph, he will interrogate uh, his brothers and he wants to know have they changed? Is there sorrow? Is there remorse in their hearts for what they did to him? Joseph will test his brothers by speaking, as the scripture says, roughly to them. And the brothers, they don't know that it's Joseph, but Joseph understands their Hebrew conversation. That sort of gives you an advantage when you can hear (laughs) what others think you don't understand. Joseph, he is faithful to Egypt, though. He's faithful to the government of Egypt there, he's faithful to Pharaoh, and he sells the grain to the local Egyptians. And to foreigners, and there is no food stamp plan there. And this is to their own people now. Eventually, when the Egyptians run out of money, the Egyptians will sell themselves into slavery just to have grain. And it was not uncommon in those those times to sell yourself into slavery. But let's look at verses 9 through 24 now. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, speaking of his brothers. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, that's something to swear to. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. "'Send one of you, and let him bring your brother, "'and you shall be kept in prison, "'that your words may be tested, "'to see whether there is any truth in you, "'or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies.' "'So he put them all together in prison three days. "'Then Joseph said to them the third day, "'Do this and live, for I fear God. "'If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined,' to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die, and they did so. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and, he, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them, and he wept. And then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Joseph's brothers, they have found their way down to Egypt and now they are bowing before the governor who is none other than their brother Joseph. And Joseph sees his brothers bow and prostrate themselves before him and then he remembers his dreams as a young man. Now, dreams, in the least, are a peculiar phenomenon. When you're in a dream, they're very real. And there's no way that we can control the thoughts of a dream. What's amazing to me is that God can put thoughts into our heads if it's a God-given dream. He can put thoughts into our heads that are just like out of the blue. He can put thoughts into our heads without our consent. And that's amazing to me. This does not mean that all dreams are of God. However, dreams can be of God, and Joseph's dreams were of God. Pharaoh's dreams were of God. Butler and the baker, their dreams were of God. But what a fascinating way for God to speak to a man or a person through dreams. God has brought about the exaltation of Joseph. Joseph has risen to power, uh, and he's risen to power through the dreams, because he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. I believe it's in the book of Daniel that speaks about uh, having dreams. And he said, night visions in my head. And there you go. That's what dreams really are. They're night visions in our heads. But Joseph has remembered his own dreams that he had years ago about his brothers bowing before him. And now he sees them literally bow before him. Now, Joseph, he's going to test his brothers because Joseph wants to see a change of heart. He's looking for repentance in his brothers. And Joseph's way of testing his brothers is to accuse them of being spies. Now, if some local accused them of being spies, it would be no big deal. But here is the governor of Egypt, Joseph, accusing them of being spies. And that's a very severe accusation just because of who it comes from. And I'm sure this caused the brothers to be very fearful. Verse 12, we, we read what the, the brothers say, "'Your servants bow before you. We are twelve brothers.'" One is at home with our father, the other brother is no more. The brothers have at least passed the preliminary test of being honest before Joseph. Uh, They have not been honest in the past, they've lied to their father about Jake, uh, to their father Jacob, about what happened to Joseph and saying, you know, they dipped his coat in blood and saying, hey, look, some wild beast must have devoured Joseph. But Joseph, he continues, and he says, unless your brother comes here before me, you remain in prison. So Joseph puts them all in prison. But he only does this for three days. Joseph has a change of heart, and he decides to only keep one brother there in prison, and the other nine are to go back to their father. And Joseph has heard their confession of verse 21. And they have confessed, we are guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not listen We would not have pity on him. And he's heard them confess this. And they say, therefore, because we did this to our brother, this distress has come upon us. We would say, what goes around comes around, something like that. These brothers cannot forget what they did to Joseph And they confess this when they say we saw the anguish of his soul Joseph begged for his very life when he was in the pit there with his brothers but his brothers would not be persuaded to do right and to let him go then we have Reuben the oldest brother speak up and he says I told you so (laughs) don't you love it when somebody gives that to you I told you, do not sin against the boy, but you would not listen. Therefore, conclusion here, and this conclusion is by the brothers, behold, his blood is required of us. Now, Joseph, he's touched by his brother's confession, but confession does not necessarily mean repentance. Repentance. It can lead to repentance, but confession doesn't necessarily mean you have repented. And his brothers, their confession, it moves Joseph to tears, and he turns away from them, and he weeps. Then he gathers himself, and he returns, and he takes Simeon, the second oldest brother, and he ties him up, he binds him right there. And Joseph has heard, though, The oldest brother, Reuben, at least make a feeble attempt to explain, hey, look, I tried to save Joseph, and you guys wouldn't listen to me. But Joseph knows his brothers, and he knows that Simeon, the one he is tied up, the one he is bound, is perhaps the most cruel, evil man of his brothers. Simeon is a murderer. Simeon, he and Levi killed the whole town of Shechem. All the males of Shechem were killed because Shechem, the man, raped their sister Dinah. And Joseph knows perfectly well who he is tying up and who he is binding and who he is putting into prison. And Joseph, he will keep Simeon in prison until the brothers bring his other brother, Benjamin, to see him. But let me draw your attention to one uh, thing I think is very critical here, and it's to the confession of the brothers. Joseph has heard Reuben declare before his brother, brothers did I not speak to you and did I not tell you not to sin against the boy but you would not listen and I believe this is the first time Joseph has heard that Reuben tried to save his life the brothers they have come to a conclusion and that is behold Joseph's blood is being required of us The brothers have lived many years with this guilt, and they understand that they have sinned against their brother Joseph. They have not sinned in ignorance. Now we would think, well, maybe, you know, they didn't know. They did know. And they know right from wrong. These brothers happen to be the great-grandsons of Abraham. Abraham. Big deal, why do I mention that? I'm glad you ask genesis eighteen nineteen We have God speaking to Abraham. Let me read you this verse: For I have known Him speaking of Abraham in order that He may command His children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has spoken to him. Abraham's promises by God to him depended upon him teaching his sons and grandsons the ways of the Lord. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have been faithful to instruct their sons to keep the ways of the Lord. These brothers, they've sinned. And they have lived with the guilt of their sins towards Joseph for right around 13 years. That's a long time to carry a load of guilt. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they've taught their sons the ways of God. And their confession shows this when they declare the blood of Joseph is required of us. Let me take you a little further back in Genesis, all the way back to Cain and Abel. We pick up the story in uh, Genesis 4. God has not accepted Cain's offering, and Cain is angry with God. Let me read you uh, verses 6 through 10 of Genesis 4. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will, not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done, God speaking, that the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground? We have two principles of God here. And they're being displayed openly. Two principles that the brothers of Joseph are familiar with because they have been taught the ways of God. First we have Cain asking God himself in verse 9, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. <laughs> Point blank. Yep, you are. <laughs> so <clears throat> Joseph, his brothers are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have been faithful to teach their sons the ways of God. And now we have Joseph's brothers who have disobeyed God concerning Joseph himself. These brothers believe in their heart that Joseph is probably dead. We hear this when they confess Joseph's blood being required of them. In their minds, they have not been their brother's keeper, but rather they have been his murderer. Principle of God. Second one God declares to Cain, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Murder. Is a sin that in the Old Testament that there was no animal sacrifice that would cover murder. David murdered, but Samuel came to him and reassured him that God had forgiven him. There was no sacrifice David could do when he killed Uriah. He had to receive personally from the prophet of God that he was forgiven. There has been no forgiveness for Joseph's brothers. For in their heart, they killed Joseph. And they have lied to their father, Jacob, about how some wild animal, you know, killed him. And and here's how God looks at it. We are, mankind, God's creation. And whenever any person is murdered, when any innocent baby is aborted... Their blood cries out to God the same way Abel's blood cried out to him. And this is why Joseph's brothers declare, Joseph's blood is required of us. These brothers, they've sinned against Joseph, and they have sinned against God. And their guilt, it's overwhelming. And Joseph, the Lord has allowed him to hear their confession. And I think this probably encourages Joseph. But he's not quite ready to forgive and forget, is he? (laughs) Joseph will continue to test his brother, so we'll see that in the next couple chapters and so forth. But before we close, guilt can be a very difficult thing to live with. We should never allow guilt as a Christian, we should never allow guilt to rule our lives. It has ruled the lives of Joseph's brothers for 13 years, they need relief. And repentance is a gift of God. I often like to say, and, and I, I, I guess because I repent a lot, <laughs> we are allowed to repent. When we sin, we don't have to carry that burden of sin, the guilt of sin. All we need to do is repent of that sin. That is such a blessing. You do not have to continue to sin. You can repent and turn from it. And that's all repentance means, is to turn away from sin and go the opposite direction. And when we repent, we enjoy the times of refreshing that come through repentance. What a blessing from our Lord. We're so glad, we're so thankful for the cross of Jesus that gives us forgiveness. I would urge anyone that needs to repent to repent and simply ask God to forgive you. It's that simple. But if you have anything that you want prayer about this morning, we'll help people back in the prayer area that would love to pray with you concerning any issue. We, We serve a big God. He's more than able to meet our needs and agree with someone in prayer for any need that you may have, whether that be repentance and salvation to healing to provision, whatever you need, god is capable of meeting your need amen amen let me get you to stand we'll close in prayer lord when we read about joseph and his brothers and how they were so cruel to him and sold him into slavery and and yet you've done a great work in Joseph's heart and life. And he has received your blessings. And Lord, that's what we want from you. We want your blessings. We too, like the brothers of Joseph, have sinned and we need repentance in our lives. So show us those areas of our life, Lord, where, where we offend you and where we come against you, that we may turn from them, where we may repent. And enjoy that right relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to repent. We get to turn away from our sins. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Thank you for removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for loving us so much. To provide not only salvation, but just a peaceful, healthy life. In a relationship with you through repentance. So we thank you for it. So be with us, Lord. Give us hearts that are grateful, especially here in this Thanksgiving season, as we just ascribe to you the beauty of your nature that we are allowed to be friends with God. Amen and amen.